0: I wanna welcome Per Angersig to the podcast today. Per and I met from a mutual friend and he is like the one guy coach that I know that kinda of does what I do. He works with men, he has an amazing podcast called Rocking Life After Divorce Podcast. And I love to talk to Per to get the male perspective. <laughs> so welcome. Thank you
1: so much for joining you on the podcast. I love podcasts. I love interviewing people. And now I'm being interviewed. And that's even more exciting to be interviewed by somebody else. It's like second or third time I've been interviewed. So this is going to be so much
0: fun. Awesome. I love it. So share with my listeners just the short version of your story. Because like all of us, we all have our divorce story. And you know, as a coach, your divorce story has evolved. So share with us, like, you know, how you got here.
1: And here is a short announcement before we continue the interview. We have meetup group every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And it's group coaching and we hang out together and we support each other. It's a community that is going to be a catalyst that turn your struggles after divorce or breakup into a thriving life i truly believe that divorce can be that catalyst to turn your life around and uh, we're going to do the climb together to create the life you deserve to inspire you and live your best life and now back to the interview i got married a long time ago i was married for 20 years have uh, four awesome kids that i have a very close relationship with We just celebrated one of my son's uh, 24th birthday, but uh, after 20 years, we did have struggles probably the last five years of our relationship. And uh, it was a lot of external stress. I take ownership for my part of the struggles and uh, we did struggle quite a bit last few years. We tried counseling and in the end, uh, my ex-wife did not want to continue. She wanted a divorce and it was the most difficult thing I've ever done in my whole life. This is six years ago. I started that journey and it's actually one of the best things also that happened. I didn't want it to happen, but I went through a very difficult time with you know depression, extreme loneliness, suicidal thoughts, etc. Mm-hmm. And it went on for about a year, year and a half. But getting the help of both first a counselor and then a coach and a mentor fairly quickly right on there really helped me turn this around. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a lifesaver. And also having two awesome friends that also had gone through divorce earlier, and I actually became a roommate of one of them for a year and a half, pretty much right after the divorce, and it was so so good. We can talk about these things, and we we screamed at each other, and we we had we had a very good time. But we were actually. We argued, we tried to solve things, and we we said, you know, that's not right, etc. But uh, it was an eye-opener, and this Mm -hmm. fog was just lifting that I had had in the marriage for a long time.
0: Yeah, and what do you feel changed?
1: The thing is, it took a long time. Initially in the divorce, I felt that I was in the middle of the ocean, and rowing a rowboat, not making any progress, even though I had a coach, I have a mentor and I started taking steps. But in that first year, I just felt that it was just standing still. I didn't see any progress. It was so frustrating.
0: What but shifted? Then
1: I was making progress, but I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. And I, I hear that from my existing coach clients as well. It is very difficult initially when uh, everything is kind of like turned upside down. And in that uh, disarray, I think it takes time to get to feel that momentum. But it's like uh, when you have uh, an interest-bearing account and you have compound yeah. interest. Exactly. Yeah. You don't see a lot of progress initially in yeah, the bank account. It's the
0: little things that add up.
1: Exactly. And yeah. then when you add every single day, you add a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more, and then you start seeing the extreme progress. And now when I look back six years later, I'm amazed at the progress I made and I'm still making progress. I'm still yeah. you know, working on myself.
0: I love that you said that because I feel like, you know, once you step on this journey of like deciding to grow and transform ourselves, like there's always work to be done, right? Like, you know, I've worked on myself massively. I've worked on becoming the version of me that is healthy to date. And then I got married and now I'm working on myself as a married person, also as a mother, like that journey does not end. (laughs) That's right. Right. But like there's, your highs are higher And your lows are higher. Do you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. There's no longer the pit of misery in my life. It's like, it's more like you don't take a downturn. You have a down moment or a down day, but it doesn't last because like you become so much more resilient and you can handle it, right?
1: Yeah. And, uh, and working on your emotional intelligence, uh, how you act emotionally. And that's one of the biggest things I've been working on myself in the marriage. I lost myself and, um, uh, I was very codependent where I did not have boundaries and, uh, it ended up being a relationship where it was a downward spiral. And, uh, we did not have the right coaching uh, or counseling during the marriage. I think that would have helped, but, uh, it was definitely, something that I had to really start using and, and working on. And initially I was so lonely and I actually started dating right after uh, the divorce. And I know a lot of people, both men and women say it's no good men or women out there, but, uh, myself, I was only dating because I was lonely and depressed. And I realized after one year of dating that I'm not supposed to be dating right now. Uh, And I stopped. Who do
0: you attract to you when you're dating from a place of loneliness and depression?
1: Yeah, I I usually say you attract what you project. If if you are a lonely, depressed, suicidal person, that's what you're going to project. And that's going to be a mess. So I took two years off. No dating at all for two years yeah and then I met an amazing girl a year and a half ago on the tennis courts, and uh we were growing together.
0: I love that. I feel like that's where I am in my marriage, where we are like growing together. It's good, and wow. I'm eleven years in, so there you go,
1: I'm only a year and a half.
0: <laughs> I love it. so one of the things that the women in my free Facebook group, one of the things that I see them you know complaining about is that there are no good men out there. They think that they're here, they're putting in the hard work and their ex is out there having a grand old time of his life. And they're also dating from that place of you know there are no good men out there and yet they're dating because they're lonely. Yeah. Right? So I just want you to like share like where are the good men? How do you find them?
1: First of all, I think if you've recently gone out of a long relationship, I think if you're dating to find your lifelong friend, I think Mm -hmm. you should wait to date. That's my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. If you're just dating to, to have fun or whatever... Uh, And go at it but uh, if you really want to find a good man and and you're dating for the long you know a marriage or a long lifelong commitment I think you should wait until you fix yourself and make the best version of yourself and then start dating that's what Mm -hmm. I did I know that works that's what I uh, tell my clients but then uh, where you find them I think they're all over the place Uh, I personally don't like dating apps um, for a specific reason it's like I live in Dallas and it's so many women here and I just get overwhelmed and oh, wow. it's so much work as like, yeah. I know other people, they live in the middle of nowhere and there's nobody on the dating apps and it might be hard to it's find someone. so somebody. funny
0: because like, I disagree with both of your last two points, but I'll get to that. I'll <laughs> let you finish and then I'll like give you like my point of view because I, I, I love that we can have a healthy uh, dialogue around it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. But the re- I'm not yeah. saying it's something wrong with mm-hmm. uh, dating apps. Yeah. Uh, th- there is definitely one way to date, but mm-hmm. there are other ways to date as well. Yeah. And to date, I'm trying to find my people. And also because I was dealing with loneliness, if you're dealing with loneliness, go out there and find your people. And that means that people that you relate to, people that you can connect with, it can be people. And be yourself with. Exactly. To be yourself yeah. with. And yeah. for me, it was starting to play tennis again. I played a lot of tennis when I was younger. And then I stopped. I, I didn't play any tennis for 30 years. And then I picked it up. Uh, tennis is probably the place where I had the most friends right now. It's really awesome. But that's taken two and a half years to, to get to know. It. It, it takes time to develop these friendships.
0: Yeah. And
1: that's also where I met my girlfriend. And Love it. I started playing golf again. I have golf buddies. I play golf. And then I started attending, or I I did attend a church group. Now I attend a different group that's more connected. One of the most important things in the week is that every week we have a small group meeting. And it's like amazing. These friends, are always there for you. And to start developing healthy relationship and being able to be friends with people and then date.
0: Yeah. I love that. I think organic is an awesome way to meet people, of course. But my thing about dating apps is I feel like you have an opportunity to filter out so many people and like really kind of hone in on exactly what it is that you're looking for and date from that place once you get really good at it. I also feel like and especially maybe not in like a city like where people are all over the place but obviously in more rural areas i live in alaska so Very <laughs> you know, different. it's like you can't just go to a like tennis it's cold outside right <laughs> so for certain people in certain areas i feel like it is one of the best ways of meeting people but
1: absolutely um
0: also like when is it the right time to date my criteria for my clients is you have to trust yourself to Notice the red flags and to leave somebody before it becomes a relationship if they are not the right fit for you. Like, that's really my number one criteria. And then I also like to say dating's messy and it's a great way to get to know yourself. I dated early on, knowing like none of these guys are going to be my person. I knew I was going out just to have fun, meet new people, put myself out there and kind of practice dating. And I knew that that's. Where I was. So if you're really, really clear that these guys are not going to be your person and you're not going to make them your person and you can trust yourself to do that, then heck yeah, get out there and date. Let it be messy. You're going to learn so much about yourself. And, you know, it probably helped you to date messy, to learn about yourself before you had this new relationship, right?
1: Absolutely. And I I say, you know, initially you can you can learn a lot about yourself and develop yourself and emotional health etc but uh it definitely takes a relationship to fine tune that and uh yeah. that can be a friendship also i told you my roommate i was roomating for a year and a half and we yeah. argued a lot we were very very different but that was also very healthy it wasn't uh like a romantic relationship but we lived in the same yeah. apartment yeah. and uh to learn how to interact with other human beings that's so important if you can't have a, a, a normal interaction with friends then yeah. it's gonna what do you think a romantic relationship is gonna be like so yeah. to learn how to interact with other people human to human in a healthy way And knowing your healthy boundaries, you know, and and starting to interact with those boundaries is so, so crucial.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I love that you you talk about your roommate, like in terms of you guys argued and fought. And that's you growing as a person, being willing to express yourself and have really hard conversations. And that's, that's right such an amazing skill to learn before you step into dating because when you're dating somebody you can't go I mean I laugh because it happens all the time in my Facebook group people come to my Facebook group and ask the question that they need to be asking the person they're dating and they're like they're asking all of this whole group of women read his mind for me and tell me what he's thinking (laughs) and it's like no just ask the hard question, be willing to let it be messy and honest and speak your truth and get him on the same page of honesty and speaking your truth and having that integrity in the relationship and creating that container of safety in that relationship.
1: Yeah, that's it. it. Sounds like
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's safe to ask hard questions.
1: Yeah. And be able to do that in a friendship because a lot of people, they, especially guys, I think, they don't really know their friends. They, they don't talk about being vulnerable and open and really have these hard discussions. It's all about sports. And I don't know, they have a hard time opening up. Women, I think, are a little bit better at that. Yeah. But to be able to develop that and also to be be able to be selfless, To be able to put yourself in the other person's shoes and see where are they coming from? Uh, Why did they just say what they said? And to really try to understand them and ask questions, be this curious detective wanting to get to know them and asking questions.
0: Instead of being defensive, Yep. right? Because I feel like when you step into a relationship and you are guarded and defensive, it's Almost like reversing blame, right? It's almost like stepping into that relationship with your old baggage.
1: It also takes time to get to know someone. Uh, What I did. I don't know if I I shared that initially uh, when I went through divorce, I was traveling back and forth to Sweden all the time. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to learn how to connect with people. So I I set up a rule. Every time I sit down on an airplane within 30 seconds, I'm going to ask the other person, are you going home or are you going to work? Just to initiate contact. Yeah. And then I would be the detective asking a lot of questions, wanting to get to know them. And uh, like 75% of the people love to talk uh, mm-hmm. of the people that I talked to. And this went on for five years, every other month. And uh, I practiced to connect with them. And uh, yeah. then I started sharing about my divorce because I was, had so much shame about the divorce. Yeah. And I started sharing about that with them. And then they started sharing about their difficulties. I've never met this person. And uh, we ha- sometimes I had these two, three, four hour long conversations with these people. Wow. And uh, to be curious about the other person is it's a little gift to the listeners right now. Mm-hmm. To, instead of talking about you, start being that detective and asking questions about them because people love to talk about themselves. And uh, what I learned then is that that shame I had about the divorce dissipated because I wasn't keeping it by myself anymore. I uh, let that out. And after maybe six months max, that shame was completely gone about my divorce. I can talk about it with anybody. But right after the divorce, I was so ashamed. I never wanted to talk to anybody. I didn't want to tell my friends, etc. I was going through divorce.
0: It's so interesting because 50% of all marriages end in divorce. So like, yeah. you're not the only one clearly. Um, and I love what Brene Brown says something about, she said something about shame cannot survive in the light. That's right. Right? Like, the, it, the funny thing was, it, yeah,
1: I read the book after I had experienced what, you know, the shame dissipating. And then I read yeah. Brene Brown's book and then I realized yeah. what had happened
0: isn't that great? And, and you figured huh. it out on your own, which I think sometimes that's more powerful than just reading it. It's experiencing it. And yeah. that's why, that's why books really don't solve people's problems. Like if there was the one manual for getting over divorce, which one day I will write, Yeah. but the reading information does not create the transformation within you. That's right. You experience something that flipped that switch. I love that. I love that. Also,
1: it takes action. And uh, as a coach, you hold people accountable. And I think that's one of the most powerful things about being coach is that you always have that accountability built in in the process. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people are lazy or they have a hard time keeping their promises to themselves.
0: And they're uncomfortable. Like we ask really uncomfortable things of our clients, we are pushing them to get out of their comfort zone. And I I think that's what you got out of making challenging yourself to talk to people on the plane was I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. And I'm going to have these hard conversations with people I don't even know, no matter what the outcome is, like they might say, excuse me, I'm going to put my headphones on and go to sleep. Like, no big deal. But like you push yourself out of your comfort zone and did that until it was easy and comfortable. Like that's what we as humans need to learn how to do. And that's why we are coaches because we help people create the transformation in themselves that they really want, but they don't know how to create it. And they they try to create it from figuring things out the hard way. And I, I love that you say it takes a long time I actually say the opposite. It really doesn't take that long to make a transformation or a change. You just have to decide it. So like I, I have a new client that was on my first group call the other day and she and we kind of talk about what are our wins. And she said her win is being here. It took a big leap for her to raise her hand and say, I need help and I'm going to get help to do this right, and I'm going to get help because I'm going to have the transformation more quicker than trying to figure it out the hard way, and maybe not at all. Like, some people don't ever get it, right? And we're here as coaches to help them connect the dots a lot quicker, and I feel like that's that's the beauty of coaching, and that's exactly what we create. We learn things the hard way and the long way, right
1: pair yeah we did it the
0: hard way (laughs) the thing
1: is I got my coach about six months after the the divorce so it's I I did have a counselor initially Mm -hmm. Um, she had not never gone through divorce herself she was a great coach for our kids but I don't know if I got that much out of it but then i got a, a coach and a mentor and that was crucial and yeah. I, I don't think i said that the process takes a long time for me it took maybe year year and a half and for me i don't feel that a, a huge time but the, it it took a long time before i realized how much i'd grown um, i was on the process uh, the saying. whole time yeah uh, but it wasn't like after maybe yeah. two three years that i realized wow what a yeah. journey i've taken
0: I know for me, my process was a long time when I try and figure out, okay, when was my beginning and when was my end? But the reality is I'm not done growing. So like that moment, that hockey stick growth, where I went from like being kind of unconscious in my life to suddenly being very conscious. Exactly. That happened quickly. That little turn where that hockey stick... Spiked upward that happened really, really quickly. And that's kind of like what I hope to create with my clients. And I've definitely seen it a lot where people are like blown away by themselves and they are suddenly looking back, going, Holy shit, look how far I've come. I love that.
1: Within that, I think it's also important to have other people that are going through the same thing. It's so powerful because the guy that I was roommating with. He's now my best friend. It's uh, I have two yeah. best friends right now. that are super, super close. I can share anything that I'm going through with them. And I never had that going through life up until the divorce. I didn't have these amazing close guy friends that mm-hmm. I can uh, talk to about anything. But uh, to be able to go through the divorce is so helpful to have a friend or like when you have a group of people that are going through the same thing that can yeah. help each other.
0: Yeah. I kind of love that about Facebook groups is like, we get to find like people with like problems and grow as a group. And I include yeah. it in my coaching program to have that group of women that are by your side throughout the whole thing. I love it. Per, thank you so much for being here. And for being willing to get on my podcast with me and talk about the male point of view I think my people are gonna love it and love knowing that there are good men out there and they are doing the work so how can my ladies connect with you for their male counterparts or I understand you also do couples coaching as well how can people find you
1: They can find me via Rockin' Life uh, After Divorce. Uh, If you Google that or if you're TikTok, you can uh, search for Rockin' Life After Divorce via TikTok or Instagram or Facebook. So you'll find me right there. Easy to find.
0: Rockin' Life After Divorce. I love it so much. Thank you so much, Pear.
1: Thank you so much for having you on the podcast. It was such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you.